Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. Everybody and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 195 of Linux in the Ham Shack. My name is Russ, K5TUX. Sitting across from me is Cheryl, W5MOO. Hello, everyone. And from, strangely, somewhere in not very big sky West Virginia is Bill, NE4RD. Good evening, everyone. So I guess we'll just jump right to it, Bill. Why the hell are you in West Virginia? Well, I'm in West Virginia at the National Jamboree for the Boy Scouts of America. This happens every four years, and it happens at the Bechtel Reserve here in West Virginia. Well, it hasn't always happened there. It has for the last two times. Right, yeah. This is the second time it's here at this location. Uh, Previously, it was at AP Hill and uh, many other locations prior to that. All right, very good. So thanks for taking a little time out of your busy schedule. I know you've been kind of going straight out since you got there a week and a half ago, basically. But you managed to get on the show tonight, and you actually sound really good from there. So you said you find a quiet spot. Where are you? I'm I'm behind the uh, cafeteria where we all, where 6,000 of us uh, volunteers eat, our staff volunteers that run the programs here. And I'm plugged into a... Uh, a danger shock hazard uh, panel that they provide us to recharge our phones and laptops and stuff like that. So I'm behind the dining hall where they park all the little gators and stuff like that. So are you getting funny looks from people wandering around? Probably from the guy sitting right next to me charging his iPhone, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you should put him on a one-way conversation with himself. Right. You should put him on and ask him how the jamboree is. (laughs) (laughs) Excuse me, No interviews tonight. (laughs) All right. Well, since you're out there dealing with the Boy Scouts of America and the the big four-year jamboree, or the every four-year jamboree, I should say, you put in a story here about the ARRL and the Boy Scouts. Yeah, the K2BSA today received recognition from the ARRL. The Roanoke Division and West Virginia section uh, presented a plaque today to Jim Wilson of the K2BSA for their dedication in advancing amateur radio at the Boy Scouts of America National Jamboree. Bill Maureen, N2COP, and Dan Ringer, K8WV, were both present to tour the site and present the plaque. There were many good discussions on the importance of maintaining this foothold in the BSA as it's a perfect pairing of the goals of the AWRL in advancing the art, science, and enjoyment of amateur radio and motivating the youth to get involved in the hobby. This is a very STEM-based educational program and continues to grow at the right age group for interest in further programs like collegiate amateur radio clubs. Hopefully someday in the future we can see a bit more support from the AWRL in the uh, K2BSA's efforts. Uh, So far, things have come a little short here and there <laughs> but hey we got a plaque so you know that'll, that'll help and a little update our, i'm at the jamboree right now obviously our uh, jambo numbers to date we're at uh, uh what is this uh let me look at my calendar here we are on monday so this is one two three four five this is day six end of day six and we've had uh, about 1596 scouts go through the uh, demo station 190 or 139 merit badges completed and we've had uh, 
105 scouts and 45 teams go through the uh, direction finding course. We've also done two summits on the air activations from uh, the name to peak here on uh, the campus, Garden Ground Mountain. And we'll be activating that summit once again tomorrow morning. So I'll be getting up bright and early and jumping on the bus so I don't have to actually uh, walk up the mountain. (laughs) Then we'll walk over to the activation zone, which is probably uh, still about a mile from the, uh, the bus. So how long will the summit be on the air? Tomorrow we'll probably be on the air from about uh, 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. local. So, yeah, that's about about the average time. We've been putting about an hour to two hours when we've uh, activated it. We'll actually do satellite tomorrow as well, so that'll be that'll be nice. nice. So you had to shut down the station early today because of interference from the POTUS. Yes. <laughs> so will you be operating all day tomorrow? Yeah, the uh, station itself is operating from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., and we have eight stations on the air from uh, pretty much from 40 meters to uh, 70 centimeters. Also, D-Star, Echo Link, and Satellite. Of course, our satellite ops will be up on the mountain in the morning, and they may or may not do any satellites from, uh, from the tent when we come back down in the afternoon. But for the most part, we'll be definitely, uh, definitely on the air all day tomorrow. They're they're not. I don't see anything in the schedule that would prevent that. All right, sounds good. So when are you actually coming back? The boys finish up here Thursday afternoon. Uh, we're going to break the station down Thursday afternoon, pack it all up, and uh, wait for the bucket truck on Friday morning. Then everybody boogies out of here Friday. So uh, hopefully I'll be home in my bed by Saturday. All right, excellent. So for the next show, you can tell us uh, all the horror stories that we don't have time for tonight. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, very good. So moving on, uh, Bill and I have both been trying out this new mode we talked about an episode ago called FT8, which is in the WSJT suite of digital modes. So give us a little update on that. Yeah, I mean, FT8 is is definitely taking the bands by its storm. I mean, for a mode just released nine days ago, as of this recording on uh, the 15th of uh, July, um, not the recording, but that's when it was released. <laughs> uh, it is in high use across all the bands. Uh, the latest 60 meter openings have been flooded with FT8 and, and there's noticeably less JT65. I mean, there's still people using it, but just not as many. <laughs> it, it, it definitely appears somewhat robust, but, uh, you know, when it, when it fails to work, it, it's obvious. I mean, uh, you, you don't get decodes below negative 20 dB. It's got to be a pretty decent signal. So, I mean, I know I've made contacts with JT65 down to like NAG28. Um, so this is, is not quite robust, but it's faster. So that's what a lot of people are attracted to. We're using it here in the Jamboree at uh, on 6 and 30, and it, and it works really good. But there is a caveat right now. Currently, EQSL, Logbook of the World, and QRZ, uh, QRZ do not support the mode in the logging. I'm sure that's going to be fixed here quite shortly, and they'll have that all worked out. I mean, we have to realize that FT8 is just released, and it's you know an RC1. It's not even a <laughs> it's not even a full release yet. So uh, pretty soon you'll be able to confirm your logs and stuff like that. Yep, and it is a really nice mode. It does cut 75% out of the time of a typical QSO for WSJT or for JT65 rather. I don't know if it was the first day you were using it, but it was the first day I was using it, and we were actually able to contact each other on FT8. I think, uh, well, we had the initial QSO. Did we Did we actually finish it? Because I know you said you couldn't receive me after a, a little bit. I can't remember because that computer's at home. 
either. But I know I'd have to check out to see if you have in the log. Right. We at least heard each other for a moment, if not for an entire yeah complete yeah. QSO. One nice thing that well, some people I've seen are complaining about it, and some people aren't, is the uh, fact that everything happens so quickly. There isn't like that ten second window to make a decision about what you're going to do next, uh, like you can in JT sixty five. A lot of the QSO is actually automated. The software says, well, I heard this, I'm going to send this. Well, I heard this, I'm going to send this, blah, blah, blah. So you're, it's it's not quite as hands-off as Whisper, but it's close. Yeah, yeah. And um, the, the thing is, is like when you see a CQ, sometimes it, it takes you a while to actually figure out to click. <laughs> and you're already halfway through the 15-second opening you have to transmit. So you might not always get it that first time. So unless you're like really, you know, twitchy, uh, first-person shooter gamer type, uh, you're you're not going to be like right on top of it. <laughs> right. So when you see that great DX, you might have to try twice <laughs> or more yeah. than twice. Yeah. Yeah, but it's a really cool mode and it's really fun because it's digital and it's quick and there's not a lot. There's no rag chewing or anything like that. So if you want a lot of contacts, especially on a band that has a lot of coverage, like 20 meters or six meters when it's open and stuff like that. Uh, it's a lot of fun, and you can rack things up really quickly. Plus, you don't have to be worried about mic shyness because you don't have to do anything. You just kind of put your rig on the air and go for it. Exactly. Moving on, there is a contest coming up, uh, like there always is, uh, but this is the CQ Worldwide DX contest, and there have been some rule changes, apparently. Yes, the uh, CQ Worldwide DX contest has a little bit of rule tweaking that uh, is in effect for this uh, upcoming contest. Uh, this redefines and clarifies what a multi-single station is. So if you operate in that class, you may want to uh, take a look at that. It also uh, clarifies a little bit of the club definitions. Uh, their club definition do limit the, does have the 250-mile tw- circle. So uh, be mindful of that if you're a full-section club like uh, my club is. We're uh, over the whole state of Montana, so we got to see who actually fits in there. <laughs> uh, there's additions to the general rules, which include some IARU rules per zone or whatever about uh, where you can and cannot transmit. Um, and also, there's the audio requirement and checking for the top five instead of the top three. So I'm assuming these guys actually have to record every QSO. So uh, that's kind of an interesting thing. I didn't really know that was a thing. And uh, they've also done some uh, uh, log checking changes. So if you're a contester and this is one you participate in, which I know a lot of people do, if they're looking for DXCC on the weekend, uh, check out the new rules. All right. Very good. So that's what we want to talk about for amateur radio topics for tonight. So we're going to slip on into some open source stuff. And we did mention the release of Debian 9.0 a little while back, and uh, apparently they quickly got around to 9.1 because there were some problems, and it doesn't really affect those that have successfully installed previously released stretch versions because the rolling release kind of, you know, keeps everything moving along. But if you're downloading ISOs, there were a lot of issues, and Bill experienced some of those uh, when he was doing the install. Some of those problems have hopefully been fixed in this new one. We'll check on it as time goes on to see if the 9.1 is actually kind of rolled through and taking care of those issues or if we're going to have to actually wait for 9.2 to come out before we can sort of re-recommend the new version of, of Debian. But it's out there, so uh, try 9.1 if you get a chance or if you want to, if you need to upgrade or whatever uh, because you're having issues uh, with the .0 build. And .0s can often have problems, so not terribly surprising there, but... Uh, 
they are working on trying to fix them. Uh, that particular story came from Foss Bites. And, of course, links will be in the show notes once I get around to doing those again. So, <laughs> Yeah, we're only like 20 episodes behind or something. It's not quite that bad, but I'm working on it. All right. <laughs> All right so uh, tell us about 15 ways to empower students with open source. Yeah, I ran across this article on opensource.com. The uh, the article lays out some good ideas and projects that educators, makers, and even ham radio operators uh, operators can use in the getting the youth involved with open source and technology. While the many schools today have one, this is from the article. I just want to quote the article here. While many schools today have a one-to-one ratio of computers, tablets to students, most of them use platforms and softwares that that allow little, if any, modification. I'm assuming they're talking Chromebooks. (laughs) Students can tinker with software or hardware, yet tinkering and experimenting are at the heart of learning. The authors of Empower say that students in the environments that foster making take ownership of their learning more readily and tend to be deeper thinkers who are more at home with frustration. Ultimately, makers are better equipped for life. And uh, I mean, this was a message that was even given today uh, by POTUS (laughs) that, you know, you know, being being motivated and being driven are gonna gonna make you better equipped for life. So you know, doing projects with Raspberry Pis, uh, which are you know done heavily in the hobby and other open source IoT items and stuff like that, you're gonna uh, definitely uh, improve the the critical thinking ability. Yeah, you can tell what sleeping in a tent for a week and a half have done to me. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, I'm just enjoying yeah. the fact that you keep calling him POTUS. It's like his name is Voldemort POTUS. and you can't say it. So. Yeah, well, you know, I'm, I've been living in the land of hashtags this week, so it's <laughs> it's a bit hard. So anyway, check out the article. Yep. That's good enough. And that came from opensource.com. You know, you need to have something like, we've had a brain fart here yeah. instead yeah. of badger. <laughs> Where's the badger? Put the badger in there. <laughs> badger. All right. There you go. There we go. All not right. even watching the chat room. They're probably saying, what is up with this dude? Yeah, the chat room's kind of dead tonight, though. Although Don says hello, and I think Ted did earlier, and we got a smiley face out of Donald Gover, that that Don, the other one. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, and let's see, it looks like Jonas may be in there, and Cubicle Nate, and maybe some other folks. We'll see. Yeah. Oh, and, and uh, hello. So, very cool. Looks like you got a couple of flash topics here. Yes, I'm going to move on to those real quick. I like flash topics because they go by so swiftly. Uh, on June 13th of 2017, Firefox 54 was released. Remember when we were talking about how Firefox was going up by point releases and then they kind of gave up on that? And so now they're up to version 54. And uh, this new release addresses compatibility, security, and stability issues. However, this will only be available for users with operating systems such as Windows 7, 8, and 10. Other dated versions will no longer receive support from Microsoft. Bummer. If your OS has been left behind for quite some time now, like XP and Vista, it's time to upgrade because Mozilla will no longer be sending you security and updates or updates of any kind. And uh, my Mac here is running a version of Firefox that is outdated, and it's because my OS is outdated. <laughs> so... <laughs> But evil Mac. Evil Mac. That's right. Because Apple continues to put out software that will no longer run on their hardware because they want to force you to upgrade as well. But we all know about that. You know, it's the iPhone. Planned obsolescence. Right. Absolutely. It, and Apple is famous for it. 
But anyway, check that out. I got it off a site called Blorg, or maybe it's Blorja. I don't know. It's, it's probably Blorg. Danish or something. <laughs> anyway. Like, it's like the Borg, but it's Blorg. It's like the Borg, but Blorg. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. All right. And another quick flash topic. Intel releases AI on a USB stick. Uh, created a couple of years ago by a company called Movidius, an AI startup, the Neural Compute Stick was built and aims to democratize deep learning so everyone can access it. This tiny USB stick lets you get started with AI for 79 bucks. The stick lets developers working in deep learning get started building neural networks and allows development teams and tinkerers alike to establish AI projects without the need for supercomputer class resources. The NCS consumes just one watt of power and comes with software tools to simplify development. And you can put multiple sticks together uh, with a USB hub to increase performance, like a cluster. And uh, that came from Digital Journal. It's actually being reported all over the interwebs, so you can you can just Google for it. It seems like an interesting project, especially if you're interested in AI. I did check out the source code. They have written some proje- some parts of the project in C, and a lot of it is in Python. So if you're one of those kind of coders, uh, you should be able to dive right in. Cool. 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 Very cool. All right. So you found something useful about FFmpeg. Yeah, I'm sure most users have actually used FFmpeg, knowingly or unknowingly, since it's part of so many other video libraries. However, I forgot some of the cool command line features of this utility. I was doing some time-lapse videos here at Jambo and had a had a brain fart on what to use to bring the images together. So instead of downloading some crapware, I uh, just did a quick Google, and sure enough, FFmpeg has this built in. Um, so, uh, all you have to do is type in FFmpeg and tack I and your mask for the file name and then the output. And uh, like mine w- was like, uh, we have a Sony camera, so they're all DSC, a number dot JPEG. And, uh, so you basically put in a DSC percent zero five D. So that's for the five decimals or five digits, uh, dot JPEG. And uh, if they start at a certain number, like mine started at 5285, I just put in tax start underscore number 5285, and it'll just start from there and merge all the JPEGs together into your output file. And uh, yeah, it works great. I was I was kind of surprised. I didn't know about this until until I looked at it. So I uh, linked in the show notes is the FFmpeg which you can also find just directly at ffmpeg.org. Put up a few videos on the K2BSA's uh, uh, YouTube channel where I put these uh, uh, time lapses as a movie. So you can check out the results. It, it was pretty good. All right, that's excellent. FFmpeg is kind of one of those things, like said, it's got it's so powerful, but it has so many knobs and switches you can't possibly know them all. Yeah, this is just one of the ones I I didn't know about. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is slick. I I never have to do download anything now. <laughs> so this <Get> actually, <laughs> so this actually reminded me of something else, and I'll put in a little teaser here. So next episode, I'm going to talk about the GIMP again, and show you a really quick and easy way to do animated GIFs using the GIMP. Cool. Yeah, and it's it is so amazingly super easy that you feel stupid that you didn't already know how to do it. So, Maybe you can teach feel me how to use already. GIMP. <laughs> Since I fell horribly at GIMP right now. GIMP is another one of those super powerful tools. It's really easy to use it for very simple things, but it can do so much, you know. And you can screw up so much. You in can so screw up little so time. badly. Yeah. That's right. 
Anyway, those are our open source topics for the evening, so let's move on to Linux in the ham shack. And Bill wants to have a contest or something about uh, his GitHub excursions. Yeah, we need some feedback on this. The uh, the our our dumpster dive into GitHub needs a more appropriate name. So I, I gave a couple of suggestions here. I hope to hear back uh, what kind of suggestions you guys have. Thinking, you know, a couple other items here: GitHub All Stars or Clone This. Um, so while we're talking about GitHub, I didn't actually go search for projects, but, uh, I did find that there's a, a new, uh, open source discussion platform that you can apply to your GitHub, uh, called GitQ. So, uh, if you want discussions on, on your GitHub account, I'm assuming the repo, uh, I would take a look at GitQ and it appears to be completely open source itself, which fits right in here. Very good. Yeah, I've seen a few like discussion links on GitHub projects where people, you know, talk about different aspects of whatever they're doing or ask questions and stuff like that that aren't necessarily part of the, you know, help forum. Um I didn't know if that was using GitQ or if there's another way to do that as well, but at least that project is out there too. Yeah, yeah, looks pretty cool. All right, so tell us about trunk recorder and trunk player so anybody who's into radio knows what trunking is and what trunks are so this obviously has something to do with that so what is it so uh this project was referred to me by uh, a co uh, co-volunteer here at k2bsa k3 lsy kelsey seymour and this is basically a gnu radio recorder for trunk systems however it can be used for amateur radio repeaters or even simplex uh, the passband on the record is only 12.5 kilohertz, so that's narrow FM, which most digital repeaters use anyway, but, uh, you know, your classic ones are are the full 25 kilohertz. Um, so basically, this thing uh, attaches to an SDR. It uh, does the detrunking. It sends the actual recordings of the trunked conversations to a server, and uh, then you can go on the server and that's the trunk player, and you can play back the chunks that are actually uh, recorded in order without all the spacing. So basically all the the non-transmitted traffic is not included there. But what this uh, trunk recorder can do is actually can do multiple multiple trunk systems at the exact same time, which is kind of neat. So it kind of queues up stuff, and then it, it sends it to the, um, to the server to be held for playing later. And you can, like I say, you can set this up not just on trunk, but also on repeaters. So you you can have it just listening to the repeater, and it'll record chunks and organize them on the server. And it's quite easy to play it. Um, there's links in the show notes. There's a commercial project that's related on the whole storing of these trunked recordings called Open Megahertz. And we've included that in the show notes as well. Um, but the, uh, the open source trunk player and the open source trunk recorder uh, by themselves, look like they uh, they work fine, and and you can you can check them both out too. So if you're interested in doing that kind of stuff with a local repeater or local trunking system, I would uh, take a look at this project before you uh, go to look at something else. All right, very good, and that's interesting because trunking, I think, was kind of used to obfuscate uh, transmission, uh, sp- particularly on like police bands and stuff like that. And I actually saw a story while I was browsing around today that said that uh, Johnson County, and I'm not sure what Johnson County that is, what state it's in, uh, was talking about actually doing full encryption on all of their uh, public service radio transmissions. So Interesting. Yeah, and I'm not sure what to think about that. It seems like that if you're in public service, that encrypting transmission is probably a bad idea. 
I guess I don't want to do, dive into that right now. So <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole different discussion. That is, yeah. Um, I mean, it's not the amateur radio service, so they don't have to be worried about uh, transmission encryption because they certainly could do it if they wanted to. But is it a good idea? I don't know. Maybe we can broach that some other time. This is a take two on deep end, huh? It's kind of a take two on deep end because you brought it up a few episodes back where you tried it as one of the things you do when you wander around trying different distributions. So today I saw that there was a point release that came out, but they're talking about it like it's a whole new revision. And so I said, well, Bill's tried this once and said it was pretty good. And I voiced my concerns about it being a Chinese-based distribution and and all of that. But the article seems to think that we don't need to worry about most of that stuff because it says it is mostly, and I quote mostly, open source (laughs) and (laughs) based on Debian. So I said, well, what the hell? I can throw that into a virtual box VM. And I did that. And it's actually on my computer, my main computer running right now. And we're looking at the desktop over there. And I do have to say it's gorgeous. The interface for DeepN is amazing. The installation procedure for DeepN is super slick, and it looks very professional, and it's very easy. I think there's like literally only like four clicks that you have to do uh, to get a full yeah. install, uh, as long as you don't want to do anything crazy. But it does it does allow you to do advanced things if you want to. But I just did the the super basic install, and uh, it works fabulously. And even in a virtual machine environment, it was uh, you know pretty good performance i mean not great but still pretty good it comes with easily accessible desktops uh multiple desktops your settings are in a right hand window like a right hand sliding window uh, which is very convenient and all of those sort of go away when you don't need them Uh, there are a lot of actually deep in based applications like for pdf readers and music applications and things like that all of which are very nice the list of things that were updated in this version is very, 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 very long. And <laughs> I'm not going to go through them. The link that I have in the show notes, you know, outlines all of them. So uh, it's definitely worth trying out. And the nice thing about Deepin for me is that the visual interface has lots of little subtle tweaks to the fact that things like the arrow, your your cursor doesn't have a tail and you might think well gee why would you even notice that but surprisingly you do you know just little weird touches like that all over the place make for a very different and sort of exciting uh, user interface it has a dock type arrangement like a mac system where everything's sort of accessible at the bottom pretty much everything you need to use is already there Uh, the only thing i couldn't find was a decent software installer there is the deepin store Um, which has a lot of applications, but when I went to install things that I know are available through the package manager like WSJTX and CQRLog, if you search for those things, they're not there. I was able to install all of those things from the command line, and, you know, they all work just fine. I installed WSJTX. It worked great. I installed CQRLog. It did not have the uh, MySQL client problem. It actually did install it, so that's good. And yeah, I think that one even has the meta meta package, the uh, the ham radio tack all. Yeah, and I did not try that. I, I just installed individual applications. I always try that first just to see if it has 
Yeah, I didn't give that one a shot, and I didn't install SSH on it, so I don't even know if that was installed by default. One thing I did notice about the Deepin installer is that it has crossover Linux installed. Yeah. And it doesn't seem to indicate that it's a trial. So... Um, That's exactly what I noticed. Uh, then you asked me that when we, when we reviewed it the first time, and I'm like, I don't know. It doesn't say anything. Yeah, and it doesn't say anything, and it is a late version, so it's not like they're yeah. including an older one like before they started charging for it or whatever. So I'm not sure where they got the source code for Crossover Linux and are providing it to their users for nothing in apparently a full-blown version without trial limitations. So I guess if you want to try Crossover Linux for free, you can just install Deepin. I don't know the legality behind that, but it's there. (laughs) (laughs) And maybe that's what they mean by mostly open source. I don't know. So, Yeah, I'm not not sure on that one piece. But, um, yeah, it is there. I mean, but, you know, underneath the whole Deepin hood, it is Debian. So it has all of the benefits of Debian. And it just has a really killer user interface. I would I would put it on par with Budgie, or maybe even a little better. Actually, I really enjoyed it. I, w- I would like to put it on some bare metal if I get a chance and see how it works. I, I think yeah. I might want to resolve the whole Code Weaver's uh, crossover Linux thing first. Of course, you can always just remove it, but um, just so you yeah. can feel good about yourself, right? Right. Well, <laughs> I've ar- I've actually already paid for it, so I'm not too worried about that. Um, Hey, you know, you can, I just want to interject this because this is not anything related to this, (laughs) (laughs) but as I'm sitting here on the uh, bench, there's like eight iPhones plugged into this power wall that I'm at. (laughs) You can tell this is a scout camp because like they plugged them in and they're gone. I don't know where the people have gone, but (laughs) 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 they're just phones laying all over the place charging right here next to me. Wow, that's like twelve hundred bucks you could have right now if you want. <laughs> I could I could trade up. <laughs> Except they know it was you. I, I didn't tell you what happened. I'll let you finish your story and I'll tell you this. That's okay. Yeah, just because there was some freaky guy sitting next to the charging station. That's where all the phones went. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so anyway, my story is pretty much wrapped up. It is a Debian-based system. It, it works really well. It looks really nice, and I'm going to give it. Uh, I don't know if I actually put my LHS ready to score in the thing, yeah. but. You know, based on a 5, I'm going to give it a 4.8. I think it's right up there and fully usable. It just has a couple little things that might be a little concerning, but, you know, there are ways to get around that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I I think it's uh, definitely worth using. And and for a a novice user, I can't see any problem getting this up and running. I mean, I I think you could probably put somebody in front of a computer who's probably never been in front of a computer and, and get it to work. So... Yeah, yeah. I, I think it was pretty close to that when I when I did it as well. I'd have to go back and look, but I think yep. that's in the show notes we can't get to right now. Yeah, I'm sure it probably is. All right, cool. So, you were going to say? I, I was going to say, like, uh, Thursday before I came here, uh, so this is like a week, two weeks ago, I was uh, heading down to, to the store to get something. I can't even remember. I was going with my daughter somewhere, and I dropped my uh, OnePlus 3. <laughs> Oh, no. On the concrete floor. Now, I do have an otter box for it, but shattered the screen totally. And I'm like, I, I'm leaving for a trip tomorrow, and I'm doing social media, and I need a phone. So <laughs> so I went down to Cricket and uh, bought an iPhone SE because it was only like 200 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> so now I have this little miniature iPhone 
<laughs> that I've been doing everything on. And uh, I just want to say that it's really weird. I could, I was going to trade up. That's what, that's the whole thing with these, these other iPhones. I could just like, Oh, I can get a bigger one. I could like, like a six plus or something or a seven. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, I'm going to start texting the crap out of bill right now. So he's be like, God, no, I can't do this. <laughs> anyway, regarding the story about Johnson County. Yeah. That is in Iowa, and apparently Iowa City is the main, just right. in case. No, so I know. Apparently, there's other counties around them that have done this. And I did see that the Washington uh, ban on mobile devices in cars has come to pass, but they did exempt amateur radio and CB use. Yeah, that was a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So. So. Wow, you're slow. Sorry. You're slow. I saw that a couple of weeks ago. Somebody's banging a canteen or something. Yeah, like mass, uh, mass uh, approach for the uh, the, the wall of chargers here, right. and another guy kicked my cable out. And I'm like, <laughs> you people are killing me. Open your eyes. <laughs> you know, wear a headlamp if you're walking in the dark. Right. It's not like I'm I'm unobvious here with the big screen and <laughs> a glowing microphone and everything else. So it's like, uh, yeah, sorry, I'm I'm hiding in plain sight. Right. So, anyway. All right. So very good. That's There's uh, such challenges in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you can you can podcast from the woods. So the challenges are yes. few and far between. <laughs> so with our topics uh, of that kind being done for the evening, uh, Linux and the Ham Shack wrapped up. We will move on to the music, and I actually found a track that I really like. This was in the latest releases in the rock category on Gemendo. It's a song called Congregacion, and the reason it's in Spanish is because it's a Spanish group. They're from Malaga in Spain, and the group is, for whatever reason, called Stone Nipples, and I won't hold that against them, I guess, because they have a really, really good song here. This actually runs almost six minutes, but it's worth every single minute of it. So we're going to play this Congregacion by Stone Nipples, which was actually released in July of 2017, so very, very recently, and here it is. I hope you enjoy.
That was the strangely named Stone Nipples from Malaga, Spain, uh, with Congregacion, released just a few days ago in July of 2017. So uh, quite a rocking thing, and a lot of their music is a lot like that. Very good if you like that kind of thing, and I do like that kind of thing. All right, so moving on from the music, we've got a couple of announcements and some feedback, and so we'll jump right in. The first one is an email I got from John the Nice Guy Spriggs, who is in the chat room. I don't know if he's actually here, but he's in the chat room. Uh, he's Golf 7 Victor Romeo India, and he says, Hi, Russ. Any chance of a plug of Og Camp on the show tonight? Well, sure. Why not? Uh, he says, I'm one of the organizers this year, so feel free to mention my amateur radio connection. Well, duh. Set on the 19th through the 20th of August in 2017 in Canterbury in the UK, uh, Og Camp will be there. Tickets are from free, which I assume means they start at free and go up from there. Og Camp is an unconference celebrating free culture, free and open source software, hardware hacking, digital rights, and all manner of collaborative cultural activities. Sounds like wife swapping. Uh, we're also looking for crew to help us run the event. And while it's on short notice, if you can get us an LHS ambassador, that would be awesome. Well, John, why don't you do it? (laughs) (laughs) No kidding. He's an LHS listener and he's a ham radio operator. So there you go. Problem solved. Anyway, we'll see what we can do separately. It's been too long since we last caught up. I've been in a new job since January and I've not had much time for podcasts, but I'm hoping to add LHS back into the rotation soon. Yeah, you better. I see that Pete has moved into the hiatus group, which just goes to show how long it's been since I've caught an episode, and that you've had another co-host move into the hiatus group that I never even heard of. Blimey! (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I've joined the IRC channel, and I've also just, uh, and I've also got just about every other IM client installed in one form or another on this machine, aside from Echolink, which, because it's my work machine, I might struggle to justify. Take care and all the best to Cheryl. I see she's now licensed. Go, Cheryl. <laughs> and that's from John, the nice guy, Spriggs, G7VRI. And we did talk about OGCamp, and the link to OGCamp, which is actually OGCamp.org, will be in the show notes. And it was also on the live broadcast. So there you go. Uh, we got some ch- chatter in the chat room that said that uh, the music was good. Hey, uh, excellent. No one ever comments on the music, probably because they're either asleep or hate it or whatever so very good anyway thanks john for the email i hope you do get a chance to catch up soon if you actually stopped listening before rich was on the show um yeah you stopped listening a long time ago but uh anyway hope you get <laughs> caught up and uh we'll see what we can do about a, an ambassador for Ogcamp. camp and if we can't find somebody like i said maybe you can do it yourself i know you're one of the organizers but uh i don't know everybody does seven different things at a conference anymore anyway right feel like my funny bone is broken tonight or something you're doing fine except for that echo i get back from you i'm sorry at least it's not making it'll fix itself it always does okay moving on from the email from john uh i also got a well no sorry i didn't get anything i saw this earlier and i figured i would stick it in the announcements category because it's kind of an announcement uh because we're going to be having a full eclipse coming up at the end of august the awrl put out an article that outlines a lot of the ham radio related events that are going to be going on because of that radio amateurs from several states will gather in southern illinois from august 17th to 21st to operate special event station whiskey 9 echo leading up to and during the 2017 solar eclipse 
uh, W9E will operate from Marion, Illinois, and, quote, this will be the first total eclipse on American soil since 1991, the first on the mainland United States since 1979, and the first to sweep across the entire country since 1918. Uh, it will be an event you do not want to miss, the W9E announcement said. The far southern tip of the state of Illinois is the only place viewers can see the totality of the eclipse. The uh, Solar Eclipse QSO Party, sponsored by Ham SCI, or HAMSI, will also be going on, taking place on October 21st from 1400 to 2200 UTC. And the objective of that is to flood the airwaves and measure contacts with the automated reverse beacon network, PSK reporter, and WhisperNet. And when those observations are combined with the individual logs, the results will be one of the largest ionospheric experiments ever performed. And this is just a small sampling of the ham radio events that will be going on. The link to the ARRL article goes through many of them and then also has another link to an entire list. And you can also check the ARRL events calendar. So lots of stuff going on. If, if you're in the path or anywhere near the path of this eclipse, there is something going on near you, whether it's ham radio related or not. So Yeah, and actually in Missouri, it basically goes from, you know, down the, the dead center of the state for the most part. So Well, not quite. It goes from northwest to southeast. It starts like in Kansas City and goes sort of towards Memphis. Well, it actually starts, uh, it's up around St. Joseph. So, Well, St. Joe, right. Yeah, there's like a 100-mile band through the state of Missouri, so hopefully we can make it somewhere to see it. It's not that, too, I mean, if we have to go to Raleigh or something, that's only you know, 150 miles. Right. So. Yeah, we're in the same boat down in, Mon- well, up in Montana. We have to go down to Wyoming. But it's probably close enough, so it wouldn't be too big of a deal if you wanted to go do something. No, no, our ham club is doing a... Um, special event station for it at uh, Pompey's Pillar. All right, very cool. So, yeah, I mean, just look for an event near you. There's there's one near you, trust me. Well, if, if you're somewhere within 200 miles of the, the actual path of the eclipse, there's there's something, something going, going on. on, right. Yeah. So that's all we have for announcements and feedback, and we're going to move on to our fifth segment, which is Cheryl's Recipe Corner. Woohoo! It's fair time in the United States, state fairs, county fairs, regional fairs, etc., so I decided to share a few recipes of food that you would find at fairs in the Midwest and probably across the United States. But anyway, here in Missouri, we're in the middle of a, our own dairy country, so it's not just in Wisconsin. And one of the huge things here is fried cheese curds. So that's one of today's recipes. And the other one is fried pie. Uh, Russ is a huge fan of both of these, and we both love cheese and pies. So next time, since it's still going to be fair season, I'll share even more fair recipes with you. So... For the fried cheese curds, you need some buttermilk, some beer, and some cheese curds, which if you can't find them at your local grocery store, and even here, it's difficult. You can buy them online. Uh, Flour, baking soda, or excuse me, baking powder, salt, pepper, and oil. Uh, You let your cheese curds soak in the liquid batter for a while, and then roll them in some flour and, you know, fry those little puppies up. Um, And they're very, very good. So... And, you know, they're great if you dip them in ranch dressing or barbecue sauce or just eat them plain. So, and for our fried pies, you need some refrigerated pie crust, uh, which, not the frozen ones, the actual refrigerated ones. Um, You can use either uh, pie filling of some sort, like apple or cherry, or you can use some semi-sweet chocolate chips and some peanut butter cups chopped up. 
put all these in the middle of your little squares of pie crust, crimp them together with a fork, fry them in some oil, and you can have a heart attack from all the uh, fat that you have just consumed and all of those goodies. So that's Yay. it. Yeah. You're, you're telling people how to make stuff that will kill them. This is good. Good for ratings. Yeah. You, <laughs> yeah. you eat them and you're still alive. So, hey, what the heck? <laughs> <That's good. laughs> yeah. We're, we're all going to be SK at some point. So, anyway. Oh, which reminds me. I had a scare today. I saw... John mentioned something about the fact that he was looking at our, you know, about us page and all the people on hiatus. Mm-hmm. So I went and was looking up because there's one person who's not actually on that list, and that's Bill Gersanich, WA9WKA. Right. Um, so I was going to, like, maybe put him back on the list. So I was looking for his name, and I came across an obituary for William Gersanich from Illinois. Oh, no. His dad. But it's not him. Oh, <laughs> it's a different one. <laughs> <laughs> but I was looking everywhere, and I was like, oh, I don't want to have to have, you know put that news on the show tonight. But, uh, yeah, his name is William J. Grzanich, and this was the William W. Grzanich. So, Relation? Uh, I don't think so, because they're about the same age. So, yeah. Or uh, maybe not. I don't know. It, I, it I, could have been an uncle or something. It could have been an uncle, yeah, yeah, something like that. But, yeah, weird. Yeah. <laughs> but good news, Bill's still alive. Yay! <laughs> oh, other Bill, Bill Grzanich, not not Bill, Bill, not not the Bill that's yeah, <laughs> not Bill. the Bill is actually on the show yeah, right Bill, now. Yeah, Bill, Bill is still surviving it, Boy Scouts. Yeah, he's he's good. Yeah, for, for right now, <laughs> so. nobody's electrocuted him with a cell phone or anything like that, so he's good. <laughs> All right, so real quick, a little earlier this evening, I tasted the scotch that I'm going to talk about tonight, which is the Aaron Malt, ten year old, and I've I've already done my tasting notes and everything, so we can just kind of you know, plow on through this. The ABV on this is 46%, which makes it 92 proof. So it's a little on the higher end. Uh, the region it comes from is Island. It's not Isla per se. It's Island. The color is really, really light. It's like a light spun gold. It's not even caramel color. It's a, it's very, very light. It's about the color of apple juice. Yeah. And I think it's actually even a little lighter Maybe than that. Maybe a little lighter, right? The nose on it is, um, everything about this to me says dry dry in the sense of like wildfire dry when you when you when you smell it and when you taste it that's that's kind of what you get and and in every part of the experience you get sort of dryness you get herbal notes nondescript indistinct herbal notes but they're like dry sort of like you have a basil or a fennel or something like that but it's actually dried and gone you know to powder kind of thing you do get a little bit of sweetness, like a sugar cookie. You definitely get the malt, like the barley malt, and there's a honey taste to it, and an actual taste like dry grass, like dry, like hay, dry grass type. And then on the taste, Yummy. yeah, again, I, I want to emphasize when when people are describing the taste that you get, the taste and the and the noses you get off of scotch, that when they say something that sounds disgusting, like band aid or leather or tobacco, these are actually good things. I know it doesn't sound like a good thing, but they really are because you keep saying that. Here's why I'm saying that, because it's the idea of when you walk into a leather store, you think the smell of a leather shop is actually very nice. And when you say that that a scotch has an essence of leather, it doesn't mean like you're chewing on a shoe or that it it really (laughs) it it tastes like leather, but it right it's. It's more the smell than the taste. Right, but smell and taste are very closely intertwined. So when you say something smells like or tastes like tobacco or tastes like Band-Aid or tastes like leather, that's not really what you mean, but there's no other way to articulate it. That's what I'm saying. So these these sort of weird descriptions of the 
the tastes and essences you get off of scotch are not bad things, even though they sound that way. So on the taste, it's a little bit sweeter than the nose. Um, you definitely get sort of a plain sugar sweetness to it. And again, all of the other tastes are dry, sort of like dry baked bread, dry crumbly baked bread, like biscuit, slightly herbal, and then like dried apple peel. And and uh, you don't taste dried grass, but you can definitely smell it. But everything sort of got that dry that dryness to it. And if you've ever had a dry wine or a wine that tastes dry, you know what, you know what that kind of is. And this has that same sort of essence to it. So that's all of that. And all that being said, this is not one of my favorite scotches for sure, which is probably why I still have more or less a, a full bottle of it. Um, <laughs> I bought it for him for Father's Day or something. So. <laughs> but it's okay. You can't like everything. Uh, the Aaron Mall 10-year, uh, you can buy it for about $40 a bottle, and that's for a fifth. And I'm going to give it a rating of 83. And that's somewhat subjective because I think this is probably a better scotch than that. It's just not one I particularly like. So that's that's my rating on it. That's bad. Yeah, it's not bad. It's a solid B. Solid B, B minus, you know. But there you go. <laughs> Maybe instead of giving it a number, you should just say, hey, this is an A plus or an F. So, you know. <laughs> it works the same way. You think about it like the 100-point scale you got in school. If you got an 83, that's a B minus. So that, that's where you got. All right. So moving on, it's the social media roundup. In the social media roundup for subscriptions, we have Scott Pettigrew, John Clark, Thor Wiegman, Robert Doherty, Jonas Rulo, Michael Aiello, Paul Griffith, Christopher Weaver, Michael Connolly, Donald Gover, Doug Redder, Stephen Harp, Jeremy Hall, Charlie Brown, Alan Wilson, James Blocker, Dylan Engel, Ronald Ike, Bob Yerke, John Fotchke, Bill Stearns, Bill Piotr, Brian Smith, Michael Jacobs, Darren King, Edward Donnelly, Johnny Kinsey, Robert Halliday, Robert Pitts, Wayne Carpenter, Kevin Murray, Todd Bowers, and Stephen Sainer. For Facebook, we have Daniel Gunderson. Kenneth Loki Harrison and Christopher Rowan. Nobody joined Google Plus this week. For Twitter, we have at LBDWAG, at Jim HRT, at DB8TS, at VA3ON, at NA4NOM, at Verstengen Adam, at Bella Chan18, at KC2VWI, and at Daryl underscore VA. Nobody joined our YouTube channel. And we had John, uh, J.D. Muskrat, join our mailing list. And there were no merchandise sales this week. And that's a wrap, folks. That's the end of the program. It looks like everybody's getting ready to head out in the chat room. Don, KC9ZMY, says, this is the scotch you give to your family and friends after they've already had a few. Well, okay, (laughs) yes. Yep, absolutely. So it's an after scotch scotch. There you go. That works. (laughs) like you're already drunk drink some of this right all right very good so with that we can wrap up this episode which means i can push the little button here and there's some music and you can become an lhs ambassador visit the website for upcoming events and information on how you can represent linux in the ham shack at a nearby linux con or ham fest we love feedback. You can email us at info at lhspodcast.info, comment on an episode on the website, post on Google+, Facebook, or Twitter, or leave a voicemail at one nine zero nine lhs show That's one nine zero nine five four seven seven four six nine. Visit our IRC channel, Octothorpe LHS Podcast, on the Freenode Network, and subscribe to our mailing list. 
Show merchandise from coffee mugs to t-shirts to wall clocks and lots of other stuff can be purchased at www.cafepress.com stroke LHS podcast. You can also help the show by clicking on the sponsored ads in the right-hand column of the homepage. You can listen to us live every other Monday night at 8 o'clock central. That's early Tuesday morning at 0100 Zulu in the summertime and 0200 Zulu once we roll the clocks back. Our recording schedule and countdown timers for the next episode are on the website, and that website is lhspodcast.info. You can visit that for everything you ever wanted to know about the show. Thank you to all of our listeners, live and quasi-live, past, present, and future, and to those who have given their time, ears, shares, and money for the show. We appreciate each and every one of you. So for me here in Studio 3D, I'm Russ, K5TUX, and with me is Cheryl, W5MOO. Have a nice evening, everyone. And trying to avoid a little bit of uh, probing, shall we say, in West Virginia, (laughs) is Bill, NE4RD. 73, everyone. And we'll catch you all in two weeks' time. Take care. Play with that lizard, you're going to go blind.